Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. He's Alex Wolf. And the New York Knicks are winners, 105 to 91 over the Detroit Pistons. Alex, some renewed energy, some renewed life despite being shorthanded. What are we going to get into in this episode? Well, we're going to talk about a fantastic, huge, enormous, uh, whatever adjective you want to use, Mitchell Robinson game, vintage Mitch. Uh, with a fantastic performance that reminds you of why he could be as good as as we always thought that he could be. Uh, some great play from Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, giving sort of a glimpse into what we thought we were going to be getting out of them going into the season and more. You know, just great play all around for these Knicks. So we're going to talk about that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team Every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. I am Gavin Shaw. He is Alex Wolf. Locked On Knicks is available on all platforms. I forgot to mention that earlier. I am a play-by-play broadcaster. He is the editor-in-chief of the Strickland and the New York Knicks are back in the win column 105 to 91 Over the Detroit Pistons, it got a little dicey at points in the second half. The Knicks got a little sloppy. Julius had to get in his his daily complaint to the official. But by and large, Alex, a very fun performance that was made most fun by Mitchell Robinson returning to form. 17 points, 14 boards, 8 of 9 from the field in just 25 minutes. Granted, the tallest player the Pistons played with any regularity was six foot eight Isaiah Stewart. So not the toughest matchup, but the performance we've been waiting for all season from Mitchell Robinson. It was like the fourth quarter against the Rockets, but for a full game. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, and, and I would say too, I mean, Isaiah Stewart for being small is a pretty scrappy dude. So obviously Mitch just kind of did get to be though like the man among boys in this game. And it showed, you know, the 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 big thing to me that stood out was just this was like, like you said, it was like that fourth quarter, except for, you know, the fact that it this this game more than any other game so far showed that I think his conditioning is back. And now, now I think it's time to just kind of like start holding Mitch to, uh, you know, effort and and things of that nature because his his pop was back. You know, with the with the alley oop dunks, he tried one at one point that, you know, was even a little ambitious for him as far as dunks are concerned, and he, and he missed it. That was his only miss of the game going eight and nine. Um, you know, he, he was getting up for the alley-oops, getting up for the putbacks. He was he blocked the three-pointer, you know, on a guard on Saban Lee, who probably was just being a little foolish. If we're being completely honest, like, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe Taj Gibson could have blocked that too. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it was it was impressive in, for the, in the, the fact that Mitch didn't barely get a fingertip on it. I mean, he swallowed up a three-point attempt by Saban Lee on that. And, you know, just his, his overall effort, you know, four stocks, uh, the uh, just running up and down the floor, always being in position for rebounds. I mean, this, maybe it was just a byproduct of being so excited by that concept of like being the man among boys in this game. But 
I mean, he played without a doubt the best of any of the three Knicks centers, uh, and, and it wasn't particularly close. Like Taj Gibson as a power forward, you know, not ideal. That was kind of how he was played again in this game. And thanks to the, you know, the injuries, that's kind of just the position he's been asked to fill. The the lineups with him and Noel out there were just like, and I mean, it was mostly due to Noel for being honest, but just woefully bad to look at. And it was like night and day compared to what Mitch was doing. So that's also sort of a testament to like, just because the other team has smaller guys and your team has bigger guys, your team isn't necessarily going to play bigger because we saw Noel get like completely abused by Trey Lyles for like seven straight minutes in the second half, which was when Detroit made that kind of little scary comeback ish thing that they did uh, that, you know, almost made us think like, Oh, well, is it time to start embracing the tank or not? Cause if the Knicks lose this game, even with, you know, all those COVID absences, that would have been really bad. Uh, but all the props in the world to Mitch. I mean, this was this was easily, I think, his best complete effort of the season. And he's had a few really good ones. You know, we've we've highlighted them. And, you know, there was the really good halves, the really good quarters, whatever. This, I think, was easily his most complete and best full game. And I hope that this is a sign of things to come. I hope that this is a sign that, like, okay, the conditioning is finally back. And now we can start counting on explosive energetic, all that good stuff, Mitch, again, uh, night in and night out on this Knicks team. I think the NBA should have awarded the Knicks the number one pick in the draft if they lost this game. Like, no no lottery. Like, they, you, you just you just get it. If, if you lost to this version of the Pistons. Uh, that being said, uh, I'm, I'm with all of your points on Mitchell Robinson. I think it's interesting looking back to wonder just, I mean, how much of the first three months of the season were physical and how much the first like three or so months of the season were psychological for Mitchell Robinson, right? Because it was so obvious that like, and, and maybe, maybe he was just, he was feeling good because he was finally healthy and he was like, oh, I can finally run and jump. So I feel great. Or maybe like he's a guy who has been knocked for having maturity issues his entire career. Like we, we all see like the social media stuff with him. And tonight, like when everyone was going hard and, and to your point, like he knew like, I have this opportunity to dominate this game and I've been waiting to dominate this game the whole season. Let me go ahead and do it. Um, He was just feeling good about himself and that really translated on both ends of the floor. I think a big part of it, honestly, was Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier being so aggressive and getting all the way to the rim. And it's something that we've said, like in the past, he's played better with Derrick Rose because with Derrick Rose in there, he's getting all the way to the basket. He's either getting dump offs or lobs or even even better than that. Sometimes he's getting misses right off the rim where Rose draws two defenders and he just gets to slam it back. And Fournier and Kemba, you look at their shot lines, they weren't all that efficient, but I give them credit for maybe four of Mitch's baskets because it was them getting all the way to the rim, missing a layup, and Mitch was just putting it back over and over and over again. And I think that got Mitch going. And then in the second half, you saw him build on that, and you got these two-way sequences where he was just stringing together dominance on both ends of the floor. Like he had that insane block on Cade Cunningham, then ran the ran hard down the court, kind of like Obi Toppin, and he never touched the ball on the play, but he was so dominant around the basket. Two Pistons went with him and Kemba Walker just went around a screen and got a wide open 15 footer, which he drained all because Mitch for the first time all season looked like he was willing to move and, and looked like he really, really cared um, and was willing to do so. And and I don't, I hate to pin this on Mitch because I think so many times he runs hard and almost never gets rewarded for it. And I think that sort of, that would knock the life out of anyone a little bit, but in this game, he didn't, he didn't really mind because he's like, I'm going to create my own buckets with offensive rebounds with putbacks. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned the block he had on Lee, like two plays after that, he, he just like stood straight up and forced Kate Cunningham to literally throw the ball under the backboard 
Lee tried to drive on him and he literally decided to just throw the ball out of balance instead of um, trying to finish over Mitch. Like it, it was just, it was that kind of night for Mitchell Robinson, right? Over and over and over again. Fantastic lob chemistry with Kemba Walker. I, I'm almost running out of stuff to say, but it was, it was everything we've been looking for all season. Like Alex, I don't know about you. It was just, it was so cathartic to see that that guy is still in there because I was, I was just starting to have my doubts. Yeah. Well, and you could almost say that exact same sentence you just said, you could also apply to Kemba Walker. Like, because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the next segment, but I do just want to like, I felt the same way about his relationship and, and impact with Mitch in this game. It was just like everything we've been waiting for. And maybe we just didn't get to see it before because, you know, some combo of Kemba obviously before the benching was playing very tentative and it was very night in, night out, you know, depending on, you know, what he would, what Kemba would show up. Would we get the like semi-aggressive Kemba that sort of looked like he was looking to lead the team and, you know, be a scorer and be all the things we know Kemba can be? Or would we be getting the, you know, super passive Kemba that didn't really seem interested in getting involved in the offense and all that stuff? Now, like the last two games, COVID injury replacement, super chip on his shoulder Kemba, I I think is finally starting to, you know, prove his worth. Like I we'll talk about it in the next segment, but I think that he's maybe starting to push towards being worth being in the rotation again. And a lot of that was based off the fact that now if, if you have a, a Kemba that for one reason or another, good or bad has now, you know, got this chip on his shoulder and is playing like his old self. And you've got Mitch who is, you know, like getting his athleticism back, getting his stamina back, you know, finding his groove again. Then all of a sudden, one of those super potent combos that we thought that this lineup could produce is back and in a big way. And that totally like fundamentally changes how this offense can operate if Kemba and Mitch are going to be allowed to, uh, you know, to have that sort of relationship on the court together and are both like physically and mentally capable of doing it. Uh, the <laughs> Maybe the mental comes into play. I got I to gotta shout out a funny moment. Mitch in his, he got the post game interview and said, uh, uh, you know, made this like one-off little note about, oh, we had a team meeting and, uh, you know, we, we talked about playing harder and blah, blah, blah. And it's really showing. And then, so someone asked <laughs> Kemba in post game, like, Hey, what, what is this meeting? What was this meeting Mitch was talking about? You know, what did you guys say? And you know, whatever, how did it help the team? And Kemba goes, I, I, I wasn't in any meeting. I don't know what you're talking about making everybody think that maybe the Knicks were having a players only meeting and excluding Kemba. So then Mitch got asked about it again in his like full post game availability and mentioned uh, like, Oh no, it wasn't a meeting. We were just talking in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, may- hopefully they talk that one out. Cause otherwise this beautiful combination that we just saw unleashed on the world could be gone in a poof. Um, but <laughs> anyway, Gavin, if, uh, if Mitch and Kemba, are feeling a little stressed about this whole miscommunication situation. Is there any app that they could potentially use to make them feel better about themselves after this? Yeah, Alex, they should, they should just go to a quiet room, talk things out, and and download download Calm because it's not just, I mean, literally the best player in the NBA is a big fan of it. And do you know what makes LeBron James King James? 
It's sleep. That's right. Sleep is his superpower. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best just like King James for LeBron. Sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. As he says, quote, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, Calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I wake up ready for any challenge. So if you head to calm.com slash lockdown MBA, for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more like sleep stories and meditations, so you can be ready for any challenge that life throws your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm to get a 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash lockdown MBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on MBA. That's calm.com slash locked on MBA. And with that, we are back on locked on Knicks. I, I just slipped one more Mitch anecdote in there because I saw this uh, from Fred Katz and I thought this was great. So, oh my God. yeah, uh, yeah a- Alex, yeah, you you and I have been have been a part of some post-game press conferences before. And then there's, there's this uh, tradition, which is just part of the job, where reporters uh, all like drop their phones in front of the player to, to make sure they record the audio, which I always find funny because like obviously you could – you could always like get it later or get it from someone else, but there, there's just a million phones on the table. And Mitchell Robinson, he, he wanted to be a part of it too, so he put his phone down. And then he signed off at the end of his press conference by picking up his phone and saying to it, "This is Mitchell Robinson from the news." <laughs> that was uh, that was how Mitch ended. Do you think he meant the Daily News, or do you think he just meant the news? No, I think he meant the news. <laughs> I think he is he is the like conglomerate controlling uh, like for all those people with conspiracies about the media. Mitchell Robinson is is the man. Mitch- the Mitch is the MSM. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. The man behind the matrix. Um, but <laughs> so Mitch, Mitch continues. It, it's so funny. Like everyone, everyone gets pissy at his antics when he's not playing well. And when, when he's playing great in the next one, everyone's like, oh, that guy, that guy's awesome. You got You got to love right. him. Yeah. All right. So fun night for Mitchell Robinson. I, I'm going to continue on your, your Kemba Walker point because it just, it felt like the offense had structure for the first time in forever, right? Like he, and that, that makes sense because that, that's why you bring in Kemba Walker, like a 10 plus year NBA veteran. I mean, not just because of his scoring ability, not just because of his shooting ability, but because he knows how to run things and he has an innate sense of pacing and timing. And he's making plays like that throw ahead pass he had in the second quarter to Evan Fournier when Fournier hit a wing three. And to me, that felt like a big momentum moment. And it, it was part of a, a pretty substantial Knicks run where they separated in the second quarter. And little stuff like that, I mean, being able to maneuver in the mid-range and like hit a pull-up jumper like sounds simple, but not a lot of other Knicks guards have shown that ability all year. We already mentioned all the lobs to Mitch. And it just, it felt like, for lack of a better term, the Knicks have been desperate for a conductor. And last year, that that was Randall, right? The Knicks went as he went. And I think to some extent, we're realizing that last season was the perfect storm from Randall's brilliant shooting to a team that, however flawed it was, fit in pretty incredibly well around him and, and just accentuated his abilities to the fullest. And I think we're seeing this year what a lot of other teams have discovered and that Julius, um, for all of his strengths, and he has, he has some real strengths and they're really substantial. The Knicks maybe haven't done the best job maximizing them always. Um, he is not someone you want to run your offense through. And in turn, the Knicks have been looking for that guy. Obviously, it's not Alec Burks. And Kemba Walker, who, again, brings a lot of issues defensively that might not come out against Saban Lee, probably would come out against a Chris Paul or Devin Booker, um, 
he knows how to run an offense and he he's just he's been doing it for a very long time and i think we saw the entire team benefit from that and i I think it to some extent i i credit it with giving them some juice on the defensive end because everyone was touching the ball it was pinging around and i i that just that has an effect on a team in terms of like i keep saying it vibes that i don't think you can really take into account yeah i think there's like i think there's something to be said that maybe quietly recently and, and maybe not even, you know, really wanting to or whatever, but it seems like Julius Randle has maybe taken like a little slice of humble pie lately and kind of been allowing, you know, first Fournier and now we're seeing with Kemba to sort of run things a little more and, and not wanting to be in charge. Now, granted, I think that we saw some sequences of Julius kind of sleepwalking through this game, which are still concerning. You know, I think that he needs to clean those up. Of course, not every player can can have it every single night. But, like, this was exactly what we want to see out of the Knicks. You know, when we were coming into the season, like, 64 combined points from Fournier, Walker, Randall, evenly distributed, 22 for Fournier, 21 for Walker, 21 for Randall. I mean, that's that's exactly what we were all signing up for to start the year. Of course, you know, uh, COVID notwithstanding, you would love to see some points on the board from Emmanuel quickly and – you know, RJ Barrett and all that good stuff, Obi Toppin now. But I mean, that was supposed to sort of be like the big scoring trio for the Knicks coming into the year. And it for a while, it was pretty much just like Randall and then whoever could step up and then a couple bit players here and there. But like, it seemed like Fournier and Kemba were never having good nights on the same night uh, early in the season. And, you know, conversely, Randall was kind of having like some bad nights also if one of them would have a good night. So you know, I think they definitely learned how to play together better. Like Kemba hit a spot up three at one point. Fournier hit a couple spot ups, but also was given a little more freedom to sort of move with the ball in his hands and, you know, make things happen off the dribble, which has been beneficial to him. Uh, our buddy Ariel Pacheco wrote a really good piece about that for the Strickland this week that, like, you know, sort of examined that and just how low all of Fournier's off the dribble numbers were this year as far as percentage of plays that, He's been doing things off the dribble, and it's like really, really stark compared to the rest of his career and sort of starts to make things make a little more sense as to why he's been playing how he has. Uh, But Randall also, I think, to his credit, played pretty good too. And, you know, there was even a couple times where in a normal Nick possession in a different Nick game, the ball might have just got funneled to Randall for whatever was going to happen. But instead, the Knicks kind of like ran something. And, you know, had some guys move around and then eventually found an open shot on the perimeter. Um, so I, I thought it was really good. Like, you know, I, I just I like the symbiosis a lot. I really like what Kemba's been doing. And, you know, the, the other thing I'll say, and you sort of said this too, but the, the biggest thing to me is that it wasn't just the shooting because that's been there. And like even, you know, early in the season, even during the struggles, Kemba was still able to sort of like get into the lane and hit one of those classic like mid-range pull-ups that he hits. It's not even just the getting to the rim more, you know, which like you said, some of those even set up Mitch almost like uh, like Kobe assists, you know, like of just like, eh, if I make this, I make it. But if not, then, you know, I know Mitch is there to clean it up for me. Um, so those were great, too. But the big thing to me was just that Kemba was more willing to like probe in this game. And probably my favorite connection of him and Mitch for the night was Kemba just sort of like slowly but surely like has his way into the paint. It's just like like. Act like he's going to drive a little bit, pull back. Act like he's going to drive a little bit, pull back. And just gradually, you know, two steps forward, one step back, 
for a few seconds there to just sort of like lose his defender and draw the, uh, you know, the center away from Mitch. And then just threw this picture perfect lob to Mitch that he flushed. It was just like a gorgeous possession and, you know, exactly the sort of stuff that we were hoping for with Kemba to be able to give the Knicks someone else that can break a defense down. And, and really with how good his handle looked, do it more credibly than Julius Randle ever can, which isn't a knock on Julius Randle. It's just like a realistic assessment of his skills that he's a power forward, not a point guard. And for as many wing skills as he has, he doesn't quite have that ability to just like start from nothing and break somebody down off the dribble and make something happen in that way. Um, but Gavin, I'll throw it back to you in just a sec. I, I figure I will just take us through our second break real quick so we can finish up the show strong. Uh, so I just wanted to remind everybody today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. And I got to let everybody know too about Built Bars. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And there's so many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? I'm team cookies and cream all the way. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. So hopefully you're done with your holiday shopping already. It's late in the game. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at family parties. People are so fat, passionate about their favorite flavors, they'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, maybe something to put in, in your loved one's stocking, or maybe just something to throw in your own stocking. Just pre- you know, pretend that Santa came by, unless you... I don't know. Hopefully I didn't just spoil the whole thing for you. But anyway, go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Gavin. So that's, that's it. No more sponsors. We can just talk about things now. Uh, I'll throw it to you. What do you, what do you want to talk about uh, next? As far as this fun game against, let's just keep forgetting that it's the worst team in the NBA and that, that it should have looked this good. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could get depressing because there were there were stretches in the second half where the Pistons looked like they were going to get back into it a couple of times. And there's no real reason this game should have gotten anything close to, to interesting. And I don't know. I don't want to like circle all of it on on Julius because that that would be disingenuous. Like it, it was absolutely not entirely his fault but there was there was one play that stood out to me that in in a bad way for Julius that I'm just I'm stunned that this is still happening at this point in the season where he got his pocket picked and he took it wasn't that long but he took like a second or two to say something to the ref which is I'm like I 
maybe there was a foul on the play. I didn't, I didn't see one. It looked like just like he, he got caught kind of sleeping and, and someone came from behind him and stole the ball. And then he raced down the floor, tried to block the ball, almost got there, but the guy got a dunk. And I, I couldn't help but think, all right, you, you missed that second to complain to the ref. You're going to get back there. And it feels like, like get off my porch. to like keep like locking in on this over and over again. But it just, it blows my mind that that's still happening at this point in the season. And I thought outside of that, despite like a whole bunch of turnovers and that again, he, he shot not great from the field, eight of 18, pretty deplorably from three, one of six from distance. He had some really good moments in this game and, and every game he's, he's a victim of um, easy missed buckets when he makes really good passes. Like, like the, the dunk you mentioned that Mitch missed when I, I think Mitch was just gassed. So that's why he missed that dunk. Julius threw him like a, a brilliant little shot. He had another play where I can't remember. It, was, it might have been Taj Burks, but he, he drove in, drew a triple team, kicked it out to the corner. Yeah, it was Taj. And of course, Taj did make a three in this game, but of course it wasn't that one. Um, and he had he had some other really good stuff, right? Like started off the game with a nice little fadeaway, um, had a couple of like had that and one finish through Isaiah Stewart, which is tough to do because as you mentioned, Stewart's like a pretty big guy, like big man, like twin towers passing for him to Mitch for Mitch to draw a little foul. So I'm, I'm always I come out of so many of these games really conflicted on Mitchell Robinson, where I want to come in with this hard take where like, oh, he's lazy and he's, he's dragging the team down like or this guy doesn't get enough credit. Like he, he's making all these amazing passes and, and his teammates don't convert on it. And, and like everything with Julius Randle this season, there's just like both things are true at the same time. Like there, there are great moments and there are moments where you're like, that's why you pay that guy. That's why that guy is special. Like there just aren't a lot of like six, eight, six, nine, however tall he is, like 260 pound guys on earth who can play like that and, and have that level of skill. And then there are all these moments of frustration where you're like, I just can't believe the Knicks bank their future on this dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know if, if or when that's, that's going to get any better. I hope it's soon though. I mean, I would hope that Julius would go back and look at the tape from this game and say like, Hey, it, this was pretty good. <laughs> like I liked how things worked with Fournier and Kemba in this game with us sort of, playing off of each other rather than them playing off of me, you know, and, and maybe that this game will be sort of the wake up call. Maybe, uh, you know, one of Mitch's patented team meetings will get through to Julius <laughs> on this and, uh, you know, he'll start, uh, he'll start like, uh, you know, realizing that this is the way to go forward rather than, you know, the sort of uh, the mono offense that he ran last year maybe we have a poly offense this time around that's you know where all the guys are involved and and it's more of a, a team effort rather than just sort of a heliocentric you know julius offense where he's tasked with doing the most scoring setting up everybody you know and all this stuff maybe he could take advantage of some of the easy looks that others create for him uh, but he just he really needs to keep the you know, it makes you almost wonder if maybe the focus issues at times are just because like if he's not super locked in and having to run the offense, does he sort of have lackadaisical tendencies then? You know, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't mean to say that sort of stuff without like, again, I you know, I hate I, I, I hate playing like amateur sports psychologist, but like it almost seems like when, you know, Julius isn't the primary option this year and, you know, isn't the one like running the offense and doing all that, that that is sometimes when the biggest lapses happen in his judgment, be it on defense or, you know, if he hasn't brought it up for a few possessions, then brings it up. Then all of a sudden he, you know, turns it over. Like what you said, you know, I, I, I don't want to think that that's the reason, but it's possible that that is. And if it is, he's got to work on correcting that because the best version of himself and of his team 
doesn't involve him being, you know, the the like alpha and the omega on this team at all times. Um, so we'll see how that all goes. But that said, I did want to say, like, I think the common person that I saw during that bad stretch was honestly Nerlens Noel. And I don't mean to like keep crapping on him because I think that he is legitimately hurt. And I really think that he just needs to sit down. Like of all the injuries on this team, you have Mitch and Taj healthy right now. And you have Jericho Sims, who they just lifted all G league restrictions on, you know, amount of games played and all that stuff. So they could play Jericho Sims in every game the rest of the year, if they want to, with no penalty or no expiration date on his, his play time. And so I just don't understand why Tibbs continues to insist on playing Noel. There was even, you know, Mitch started the second half, which you thought like, oh, maybe that's merit based because Mitch played really good. And instead it was just like, no, Noel's eye was hurting or something, but then it was okay. So I put him back in and played him another 10 minutes or whatever. And the 10 minutes were terrible. Clearly whatever was in his eye was making it so he couldn't see whatever was happening on the floor because it was just, it was the worst stretch of play that the Knicks had in the game. And it was where the Pistons got like dangerously close to turning this into an embarrassing loss for the Knicks. So I would shut him down right now. I mean, I understand that putting him out there in a, in a lineup with Taj Gibson as his power forward is not ideal. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I think that Nerlens is, he, he's clearly hurt right now. He's not moving around like he did before. He's not defending like he did before. And this this game was like, I would say, I mean, this is saying something because he's had some pretty bad games lately. I would say this is probably his worst game of the season. Um, it just it really, uh, just it's not even, I don't even want to say that he gave a nothing effort because I, I don't think the effort was the problem. I think he literally just can't move the way that he needs to. And it's making him look terrible out there. And it's really affecting the team because... He can't do his one job, which is to defend the rim. Uh, and Mitchell Robinson is now starting to show that he might be able to start filling that role again. So I hope sooner than later we see that change happen again and Mitch becomes sort of the the dominant presence in the center rotation rather than this like weird decision to start Noel, which was like never an answer to any question that the Knicks had uh, <laughs> when Tibbs made that lineup change. Alex, I'm going to totally disagree with you. I think... Noel has to be the starting point card going forward. Did, did you see the the sequence <laughs> that he had early in the game? I mean, that was it was a pretty nasty like little catch and drive, and he had a dish to Randall, then then gets a steal and, and sprints up the floor and sets Burks up for a layup. But then it kind of backfired in the second half where he had that play where I can't was it I think it was an offensive foul where like they they couldn't inbound the ball to anyone else and they just threw it to him and he just sprints mm. towards the basket. Um, so yeah. maybe a little bit too much confidence for Nerlens Noel, but yeah, fair points. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pile on there. Um, my final one for the episode, uh, outside of a uh, shout out to uh, Damian Dotson, four minutes, one rebound. Uh, Oak, uh, once a Nick, always a Nick, legend. Uh, Evan Fournier, um, I did did not shoot well, right? Nine for twenty four, four for eleven from three, which means he went. Only five for 13 on twos, which is not great. Again, I'll, I'll give him a mulligan because at least two of those set up Mitchell Robinson dunks. But man, I love him looking to get all the way to the basket and just playing again. Like we, we keep saying it is simple, but instead of like he's like shot up with horse tranquilizer, like he's on the French national team. Like like he like he gives a crap. Like he really, really cares. And it's it's miraculous and it's it's obvious. And I don't want to I almost like I'm I'm starting to buy that. 
the we, we heard about multiple injuries from him. Like he obviously that we heard about the bat stake, but before that, um, the shoulder injury, and he mentioned that the shoulder injury was caused by a rib issue. Maybe there just were a myriad of physical issues here because the reason I was so excited about Evan Fournier initially is I was just thinking that like throughout his entire career, the guy's been a competitor as long as I've watched. And, and sometimes that, that didn't always work for him in the playoffs when he was the number one guy for the Orlando magic, but it takes like a special kind of personality when you don't have superstar talent to say, Hey, I'm going to be the dude on a bad team for five or six years. And I'm not as, again, as far as I know, like I'm not going to complain. I'm going to show up to work every day. Like that, that's a guy who has some competitive killer in him. And we've seen moments of that all season, but he just, he, like, I don't know if it's physical or, or if it was mental or if it was that the Knicks weren't, and to your point, Ariel pointed this out, like the Knicks just weren't doing enough to get him on the ball and get him opportunities with momentum going towards the basket. But whatever the combination of factors are, it feels like we've hopefully turned a corner. Again, you got to take into account the competition. You got to take into account that he, in terms of efficiency, did not have a very good night. But all I care about with him is that he plays with that type of verve and that type of aggressiveness night in and night out. The Knicks are very much a different team when he does. Yeah, and hey, what is it about uh, Fournier's injury history that's making me really hungry? Steak, ribs, I don't know. There's a lot lot going on. I don't know. Suddenly I need him. Yeah, you know, if he, if he adds a beyond meatball injury, I'll, I'll be interested. <laughs> yeah, I had a fantastic impossible meatball at your favorite restaurant last week for my anniversary. I told you. There we go. A shout out Beyond Sushi, uh, un- yeah. unpaid sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to touch on either. Those well put about Fournier. Uh, I'll just say shout out to Damian Dotson too. What a way to close off. Uh, well, not quite close off. It's, it hasn't been quite been a week yet, but. You know, in a in a week where you know you and I both being Marvel fans, I don't, you haven't seen the movie yet, right? No. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything, but you know, based off the trailers, you can see there there are lots of characters from the past in the movie. You know, nice to see a, a character from the Knicks past show up in this uh, crossover event. Uh, you know, just coming out of the uh, coming out of the multiverse into uh, the Knicks uniform again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought that had a, a decent couple minutes. I mean, he was doing basically exactly what you'd expect. I just wish he would have gotten that three-point attempt, you know, so he could have made one of those and really brought back the old feels. But it was cool seeing him back in uniform. He looks good. He looks in shape still. So, I mean, maybe if he does enough to prove himself, he'll end up uh, taking that roster spot from Wayne Selden on the end of the bench. Um, even if Wayne Selden did his best... Uh, Derek Rose doppelganger impression out there in this game. I, I got very much, I guess that's my final note. Whenever Wayne Seldon was on the floor, I kept getting confused because he's got like, he keeps his dreads up like the same way that Derek Rose does. And every time I see the dreads, there's only one player on the Knicks that gets playing time that has dreads like that. And it's Derek Rose. And I just kept thinking like, Oh, there's Rose. Wait, no, that's not Rose. That's not Rose. Rose is wearing like a very bright colored cat hat on the sideline right now. That's Wayne Seldon. This is not the same thing, except for he actually did come in and like scored five points as sort of a critical juncture for the Knicks where they were sort of blowing the game at that point, and he kept their heads above water just long enough for them to get the really good players out there to finish things off. So uh, shout out to Wayne Selden. Good good way to end the game, and I think a good way to end the episode. Uh, so we'll sign off this episode of Locked on Knicks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back a couple more episodes this week. We got one more game recap, one more episode for you guys on Thursday. Um, And then we won't be putting an episode out on Christmas Day, I don't think. Uh, We'll probably put it out the Monday after. But, uh, you know, until next time, I'll have an episode for you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Check us out on YouTube. Throw us a subscribe if you haven't already. It would be much appreciated. 
uh, drop a couple likes, you know, just let us know if you, if you like the content and all that good stuff, leave a comment. If you want to talk, you know, there's been some discussions in the comments of the videos, which is kind of nice. Um, so check that out. It's a, it's a real vibrant community. Uh, but until next time, thanks for listening to Locked on Knicks. We will talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.